Raised to Walk Podcast, Episode 18. Welcome to the Raised to Walk Podcast, where we're walking out the life of faith. Romans 6, verse 4 reads, As Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And this show is designed to help you do just that. Now here's your host, Carla Alvarez. everyone and thank you for joining me for the Race to Walk podcast. It's Valentine's Day and most of us are focusing on notes, sweets, and spending time with loved ones. But in looking at the root of the holiday, there is a deeper meaning and lessons to be learned. Like many of our holidays, which came from its holy days, Valentine's Day began as an observance on the church calendar, marking the death of a saint. A believer who numbers among the great cloud of witnesses, like those mentioned in Hebrews 12.1. Like many of our holidays, i.e. holy days, Valentine's Day began as an observance on the church calendar, marking the death of a saint. A believer who's, who numbers among the great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 12.11 that we can be encouraged by and take example from. Valentine was a priest in Rome during the rule of Claudius II in the late 3rd century. This was still prior to the Edict of Toleration, and Claudius did not look upon Christians and their illegal religion kindly. In addition to this, he was very active on the military front. So there were two things going on. First, Christians were being persecuted for their faith, and second, Claudius banned young men from getting married. He needed them in his military campaign and believed a wife was a distraction. So as a side note, in the letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the Apostle Paul actually recommended the same thing, not that he was against marriage. Because at the time of the writing, Christians were being persecuted, and it was uh, just prior to the severe persecution by Nero. When you're married, your decisions don't just affect yourself, but your spouse and your family as well, and that can influence the decisions you make. He was advising that it would be easier to stand for Christ in the crisis they were currently facing without having obligations to others. But back to Claudius and Valentine. Valentine actually ignored both of these edicts. He continued to help and support his fellow Christians, and he still performed marriages. He stood firm for his faith. And this is a quote from an article on CBN by, uh, titled St. Valentine, The Real Story, written by David Kithcart. I think we must bear in mind that it was a very permissive society in which Valentine lived, says Father O'Garib. Polygamy would have been much more popular than just one woman and one man living together. And yet some of them seemed to be attracted to the Christian faith. But obviously the church thought that marriage was very sacred between one man and one woman for their life and that it was to be encouraged. And so it it immediately presented the problem to the Christian church of what to do about this. The idea of encouraging them to marry within the Christian church was what Valentine was about. And he secretly married them because of the edict. What Valentine means to me as a priest, explains Father O'Gara, is that there comes a time when you have to lay down, lay your life upon the line for what you believe, and with the power of the Holy Spirit we can do that, even to the point of death. 
So because he continued to perform marriages, he was arrested. There are varying accounts as to what led to his barbaric sentence to death. Someone, some accounts say that he was sentenced for disobeying the emperor's decree against marriages. Other accounts go into more specifics on the details of his imprisonment. According to the Nuremberg Chronicle, when Valentine was imprisoned, he endeared those around him to him. He became friends with his jailer, Astris, and restored the sight of his blind daughter. Astris was so impressed by Valentine's character and this evidence of miraculous healing that he became a Christian himself. The Chronicle also records that the emperor himself befriended him. However, when Valentine tried to convert the emperor to Christianity, he had a much different response than Astris. He sentenced Valentine to a three-part execution as punishment for this outrage. He was first beaten, then stoned, and finally decapitated outside the Flaminian Gate. His skull is still kept as a relic in the Basilica of St. Maria in Cosmedon. When I read this account, it reminded me of Jesus' execution, which was also done in three parts. He was beaten, flogged, and finally crucified. Valentine was originally buried in a tomb along the Via Flamia. Later, a basilica was built over it, and it was one of the first stops for religious pilgrims on their way to Rome. St. Valentine was so well regarded that for many centuries, the gate now known as Porta del Popolo was named Porta Valentini after him. Predictably, among those who are even aware that Valentine's Day was actually a memory of someone, there are those who try to dismiss it by claiming it has quote-unquote pagan or origins. You know, if the enemy can't stop a person who is all out for God, he will do all he can to obscure, distort, malign, and pervert the memory, witness, and influence of that person. And this is a quote from an article in Crisis Magazine. It's called Give Me Back My Valentine, uh, written by Karen Anderson. A modern myth claims that St. Valentine's Feast Day was invented just to replace the pagan celebration of Lupercalia. No, actually, Lupercalia was abolished by the Roman Senate in the late 400s and replaced with the Feast of the Purification of Mary. Truly, the Catholic feast day invented to supplant the ancient pagan festival explanation is wearing a little thin. Maybe they've run out of pagan events and we are starting to recycle them. The thing that struck me most when reading about St. Valentine's life was not the romance of the secret marriages, but that he was a stander. As in 1 Corinthians 13.7 instructs, Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. After he became friends with his jailer and the emperor, it would have been really easy for him just to have been quiet to not say anything to be just like everyone else and to go along with the crowd, he could have justified it by saying, well, I can help other Christians secretly if I don't speak out publicly. But he didn't. He stood for God, for his faith and the truth. He didn't deny any of it in any way. In my Hebrew class last night, my teacher mentioned a saying by Hillel, a Jewish rabbi who was one of the main Jewish sages of Jesus' time. And this is a quote, That which is hateful to you, do not do to your fellow. That is a whole Torah. The rest of the ex explanation, go and learn it. It's very similar to Jesus' golden rule. But there is a key difference. In Hillel's, it is passive. Just don't do to others what you wouldn't want done to you. 
In other words, someone could excuse themselves by saying, It wasn't me. I didn't do it. It's not my problem. How many times have you been in, a, in situations where no one will even speak out, let alone actually do something about it? How aggravating is that? As another smart Jewish person said once, This is a result of not doing. The world is a dangerous place to live, not because of the people who are evil, but because of the people who don't do anything about it. And that is a quote by Albert Einstein. Jesus said, do. His golden rule in Matthew 7.12 and Luke 6.31 is do unto others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. I think when I read this, you know, I realized that when he gave that golden rule, that was basically responding to Hillel. He was saying, no, that's not it. That's not the whole Torah. It's not it. This is it. And Jesus did. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. And this is the account from Luke four eighteen through 19 which was an fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah 61, 12. Not only does, not, does God not leave any room to sit back and leave the problems in the world around to someone else, but he tells us that we will be held accountable for what the Holy Spirit convicts us to do, but that we didn't. And this is from Proverbs twenty four twelve. If you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. Rescue those who are unjustly sentenced to die. Save them as they stagger to their death. Don't excuse yourself by saying, Look, we didn't know. For God understands all hearts, and He sees you. He who guards your soul knows you knew. He will repay all people as their actions deserve. We are to do all that He did. In Matthew twenty-eight sixteen through 20 it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Like St. Nicholas Valentine did, he stood because he knew the real meaning of love. As First Corinthians thirteen eight says, love never fails. So thanks for joining me today for the Raise to Walk podcast. And I hope you have a wonderful Valentine's Day and rest of the week. If you'd like to see the sources for any of the, the items that I've mentioned in this episode, you can visit raisetowalk.org forward slash P18. And now let's end with a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your love for us, and thank you that you sent Jesus to not only die and atone for our sins, but that he could show us what it means to walk with integrity, and that through his actions, he was the visible image of the invisible God, that we could see your nature and your justice and your righteousness. Lord, help us to stand firm. Encourage us as we encourage others to walk out our faith. 
to stand for your truth and your justice, Lord, and to be your witness in the world. And I ask all this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Raised to Walk podcast. We'd love for you to continue to walk with us, so head over to raisedtowalk.org news to get free updates. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you next time. If you've been enjoying the Raised to Walk episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We also love to get feedback from our listeners, so tell us what you think by either rating or reviewing us on iTunes or Stitcher, or by sending us an email at contact at raisetowalk.org. We're excited to have you join us again next time for another episode of Raised to Walk.